Hey everyone, welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's episode is in partnership with On. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you'll know that I am an endurance runner and that I'm always looking for ways to improve, to remain injury free and to optimise my overall well-being. Earlier this year, whilst training for the London Marathon, I tried on running shoes for the very first time and I have since become a big fan. So I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about On. On was born in the Swiss Alps with one goal, to revolutionise the sensation of running by empowering us all to run on clouds. On delivers industry-disrupting innovation in premium footwear, apparel and accessories for high-performance running, outdoor and all-day activities. On's award-winning cloud tech innovation has attracted a huge, fast-growing global fan base, inspiring us all to explore, discover and dream on. In today's episode, I am joined by ultra-endurance runner William Googe. As On are encouraging us all to run together, Will and I thought that we would do just that. So the first part of our conversation, you will hear us running together in London. And I hope that wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you are driving, walking, running, commuting, I hope it will inspire you to lace up and run together. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate, and inspire, so I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by ultra-endurance athlete William Googe. Will has taken on some epic running challenges and earlier this year, he literally ran across America. He ran from LA to New York. That is over 3,000 miles. So to put it in context, that is like running two marathons every single day for 56 days. Absolutely insane. And as this episode is in partnership with On, I couldn't think of a better way to interview Will than to lace up our shoes and hit the road. So that is exactly what we're doing. We are in London and we are heading out on a run. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, excited to be here. I'm feeling a little bit intimidated to be honest. Nah, you shouldn't do. I'm just really good at running very, very slowly for really long periods of time. So <laughs> okay, any well. kind of speed work today, you're off, you're dusting me. All right, well, let's go then. So I should also say for the listeners that Will has just come back literally two days ago from completing the Berlin Marathon. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So you're looking pretty good considering, I mean, I ran the London Marathon earlier this year and the next day or two days after, I definitely wouldn't have been running again. I was walking, <laughs> I was hobbling at best. Well, good news for me is I've got a uh, 100 mile race in three weeks in California, so I don't have the luxury of kind of taking any time off. I've got to just get back out there again. Okay, well, to be honest today, there are so many things I want to talk to you about, Will. I want to talk to you, of course, about that incredible, incredible challenge that you took on. I want to, honestly, I want to know why, like why, (laughs) why you would do such a thing, but also how you prepare for something like that mentally, physically, how you recover from it. And who supports you in that? You know, doing things, often we see the solo victor, we see the heroic crossing the finish line, but I'm sure you will probably tell us that there's a whole team of people that make these kind of things possible. And so of course today, I really wanna, yeah, really discuss with you why you run, the importance of running and the importance of 
community for runners and teams and, and sharing that with other people. 100% you can't do it without them and to be fair the crew I had with me even the people that came in and out if they didn't come I'd probably be somewhere in Oak Climber still. Gosh honestly I watched it from a distance on social media and you know every couple of days you'd see a picture and go oh wow and then I'd read the actual you know how far you'd run how it was going and as I say from a distance I think it's impressive but hopefully I want to find out more I want to find out the details I'm like how do you actually do something like that so I guess before we get into all of that I always love to know people's you know origin and journey so yes now you are this incredible ultra runner but you must have started somewhere right everyone has a day one I did so what was that day one for you when did you discover running so the first time I realized I loved running was I was a rugby player at the time so the thought of going for a run for me was actually punishment like if you're late to training or you have a bad game you'll be doing laps repeats of those so as I said it just felt like a pointless task, I don't know why anyone did it. There was no try to score, there was no teamwork involved. It was just go out on a run, get back, and that was it. But I was in California, I'd arrived there, um, and I was meeting my ex-girlfriend now, but she was becoming my girlfriend at the time. So it was, a, it was an exciting time for me in general, being over there as a, a kid from a small town in, North, well, middle England, to be in LA, California. Yeah. And I basically woke up early in the morning, very jet lagged. I think it was 4am and I didn't know what to do to basically pass the time. So if there was ever a time that I was going to enjoy a run, I was in Santa Monica by the beach. It was then and there. So yeah. I actually didn't take my shoes with me. I handed them to the concierge who looked very confused. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just went on a run along the boardwalk on the beach and found myself actually not having the worst time ever. Yeah. I kept running as far as you could along Santa Monica going north to where the Pacific Highway ends basically. Yep. And you can't get round to get to Malibu unless you get on that highway, which is obviously a bad idea. And then, yeah. So how many years ago was that? That was in 2017. All right, well, so not that long ago. Not that long ago, but also ago. I, I dropped it quite soon afterwards. And the reason that story has some kind of poignance is because when I got back, it was the longest run I've ever done. I think it, I worked out it's been about 14 kilometers which, as I was an athlete, is, isn't the best thing in the world, but isn't the worst. Um, and I got back and basically I had a call from my mum and she'd been to see her doctor. She was suffering from cancer at the time. She got told she was in remission. So <clears throat> in my head, she'd beaten cancer and combining that feeling that you get, like the runner's high, the yeah. long run feeling, all the endorphins feeling amazing, combined with the best news I've ever had in my life, yeah. that compounded to... If you ask me the happiest memory of my life or the, the best feeling I've ever had, it was that moment there. Wow. Now, unfortunately, nine months later, I wasn't actually doing much running at the time. In between then, I was back at rugby, but nine months later, the cancer had come back and she'd unfortunately passed away. And what I found myself doing unconsciously was going out for a run. If it might be two o'clock in the morning, I'd be upset or angry. And I'd just get my shoes, get out of the door. And by the time I got back, I'd feel a little bit better, basically. And that little bit better was something I grasped onto. Mm. And through reflection, I know that from those runs, I was trying to get back to that feeling Wow. on the beach in California. Wow. I mean, firstly, thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm so sorry to hear that. And I think for so many runners, there's so many 
we all have different reasons that we run, don't we? For sure. And you might have those great runs where, as you just described, the picturesque, the beach, the beautiful sunrise. Yeah. You know, not every run is like that. And you've run through good times. You've run through, as you said, those difficult times where you might feel angry. You might feel overwhelmed. You might feel stuck. You might feel lost. You might feel numb. Yeah. You might feel nothing. You know, I certainly started running at a time in my life when things were not going well. Things were not going to plan. I was so overwhelmed and I just... I felt claustrophobic, actually. I just wanted to run away from yeah. the situation. I just wanted to escape it all. And I think that for every runner, if they've ever felt that feeling of there's no destination, there's no finish line, there's no end point. But as you rightly said, even if it just helps you feel a little bit better, it's not like, ta-da, all my problems are solved. Uh -huh. That little bit better, and as you just said, holding on to that, it's almost like a bit of proof that, okay, I'm not gonna feel this way forever something I can do, even if it is just lacing up my shoes, going out for an hour, half an hour, it's gonna help. Something I can actually do myself is gonna help me shift this feeling. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it works is, I never went and spoke to a therapist. I was, well, I seem to be pretty good at dealing, it, dealing with it and talking to my friends about it, but I needed space on my own right. to go over things. And yeah, it became something I latched onto and I was 23 at the time, so it's an interesting time in like yeah. adult life or getting into it because you're old enough to make your own decisions, but mentally you're really not that mature. Yeah. So yeah, it was um it could have been could have been one of those times where I made some bad choices. But I think out of the respect and love I had or have for my mum still obviously, um I couldn't I couldn't use that as a white flag to basically ruin my life and running was how I controlled, controlled those emotions that might have sent me the other way. Wow. All right, we're back. So, Will. Hello. I managed to keep up with you uh, as you're doing your recovery run. Mm -hmm. So today, I did mention there's so many things after watching your journey from, it was April to May, wasn't it? Yes, I started at the very beginning of April and finished at the very end of May. So pretty much two months of your life mm -hmm. out running. Now, before we get into the details, I did say I wanted to know why. Why would you think of such a thing, agree to such a thing <laughs> before you even get into, okay, how do I train for this, prepare for this? What's it gonna look like? So can you, of course, tell us why did you do this? Well, my story of running comes from a place of personal personal pain. Um, I think everyone goes through some things in their life. And luckily for me, I found that running was a healthy way for me to deal with my problems. And so the America thing came about because after I finished my first challenge, I did Johnny Goats and Land's End, the length of the UK. A guy that's very special to me, Robbie Ballinger, he's like my Yoda in the running world. I look up to him for everything and just as a, as a man. Um, he came and helped crew me for the Joggle Adventure and he earlier in the spring had run across America. So my first introduction to ultra endurance in any kind of space was watching this guy on Instagram every day for I think 75 days running across the US. So once I realized I had something about me that could push my own limitations, I thought when I finished that, which was actually four years ago, that I might one day be able to do this and I'm happy to be sat here saying that I did. 
You did. And it's interesting that you said you watched him on Instagram because I feel as though I watched your journey on that challenge on Instagram as well. And I think that as much as Instagram and social media often gets, you know, rightly so, I suppose it gets, you know, a bad rep. I think one of the most positive things about it is that it creates these communities. It creates like-minded people. You can find other like-minded people. And even if you're not actually able to run together. So if you're not able to, you know, when I'm training for a marathon, there's often a lot of people training for the same marathon, the same place, whether it's London, Berlin, Paris. And therefore, you know, you're like, oh, it's week six of our training plan Mm -hmm. or it's three weeks to go. And everyone's in it together, even if you're not actually able to, you know, knock on your front door and go for a run together. Yeah, shared suffering is a beautiful thing. And the whole thing about like social media as well, it's, it's a tool for people to use. Like, you know, if you're following the kind of people that are inspiring you to do something better, it doesn't even have to be in the space you're interested in, but those people that are pushing the boundaries, pushing the right messages, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's one lesson I've learned from those kind of platforms for myself is when I got into ultra running, I just followed all these savage ultra runners. We were talking about David Goggins earlier. I was following him. I was obviously following Robbie, Dean Karnazes. I read his book, Rich Roll. So all the all these names like if you start plugging that stuff into your brain it's going to have it's going to have that kind of effect as like you're the makeup of the circle around you but you can create your own one through social media which i think is is valuable mm, i agree and so you're listening to these ultra runners and it probably made, makes you realize I, I suppose what's possible so for example if you're someone who only has ever run 10k then when you run 10k it feels like a challenge and I remember when I'd only ever run 10k the idea of running a marathon felt so far and so distant and I always felt like well I'm just not built for that you know I'm Jamaican and I've got Jamaican blood I'm a sprinter and I always thought a marathon was was unreachable but when you do a half marathon well actually yeah still at half marathon I was thinking I'm not doing that twice but as you start to build it up you do start to realize what is possible for yourself for your physical limitations your mental limitations so where did that I suppose how did that evolve to being able to do yeah 55 miles day after day after day because surely there's a process to get to that there is but it's also not doubting yourself and when I look at all these other people even the people I mentioned like some I'm never gonna well I might not reach those levels but I just think what what makes you be able to do that that makes me not be able to at least try and the hardest thing in any battle is doing the first thing it's even when you're going on a training run isn't it they this age-old saying well if you put your kit on your trainers you're more likely to do it but it it runs true and basically putting putting it out there even telling friends and family that you're going to do something that adds a level of pressure that you're going to then have to go and do it or at least give it a good go so yeah the biggest thing for me is saying something and not just saying it but but doing it okay so you've set yourself this goal you've committed to it you've said to people okay i'm i'm doing this and you've got that clearly you've got that fire in the belly that's like you know what if i've said i'm going to do it let's see let's at least as you said try and i'm willing to give it my all so let's go to i suppose day one Mm. so day one you started off in huntingdon beach california okay and what was the plan what was the mindset right what's the game plan at that point are you actually thinking of day one are you thinking of week one or are you thinking of the entire thing it's hard to think about the entire thing there was there's a brief part in my brain or at least something in the distance was you can't push too hard to begin with because if you go too hard too soon then injuries will creep in and if you've still got another two and a half thousand miles to go that's a really bad thing to, to have to deal with so there was an element of holding back at the beginning so the first week was actually the lowest distance I did over the whole challenge. Even the final week, which I think was 
yeah, it would have been six days. In those six days, I did more than the seven days on week one. So there's an element of, of holding back, but just like an ex- an excitement to actually start because this thing's been in my head, like I said, for for four years, like seriously thinking about it and a year really of planning and getting to be able to do it and having such like an amazing crew around me, friends and family and the interest from like the public and messages of support, like it's a... It's an amazing time that I don't take for granted, even when I'm in, in it. And there's times you obviously hate it, right? It's it's not all sunshine and rainbows when you're running for 12 to 16 hours a day. But there was a lot of gratitude throughout. Like, I felt lucky to be out there. Hmm. And who are those people with you on day one? So you've said a few times about a crew. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about community and whether I you know I'm someone like you I suppose in terms of a lot of my running is solo miles you know Mm -hmm. go out and do it on my own but I also love running with others you know whether that's on race day and I literally just look around I don't know the people but I look around and I'm always inspired on race day or whether it's joining you know friends for a run or community run so who's with you on day one well as I said from the beginning and Robbie Ballinger he's always been there for everything I've done I'm massively in debt to him and I'm trying to pay him back gradually (laughs) he was there and then one of my best friends from London Peter John he's a former military guy he's in fashion now he's a really good cook he's into art he's so many like opposing parts of like society and like choice but he's he's brilliant and so funny salt the earth from uh from Derbyshire um and then the two content guys we had Reese and James, so they're the guys that put everything together for like the Instagram and YouTube, etc. And my cousin Mark was actually there. And growing up, we probably spent four or five days a year together with like at my nan's place. But other than that, not really. So that was a beautiful thing. I had him with me for two weeks, and like that was the most solid amount of time we've had together. So getting to know your cousin more, like a family member, was was a pretty beautiful experience. Yeah, it was a it was a fun time for a lot of it as well. Yeah. And obviously a lot of free time and space of nothing, but there's some good memories. Okay, so you're out there, you're running for, as you said, 12 to 16 hours a day. So, mm. I mean, that's literally the entire day. So you wake up, yeah. you're running until, I suppose, yeah, the end of the day. Let's get into it. Let's hear some of, you know, I always want to know what's the best and the worst. And I feel like if someone was going to do the same thing, mm. I would want, you know, you'd want to tell them, you know, the real truth. So someone mm-hmm. says, oh, what's it like? But they say, tell me the truth. Yeah. What would those best and worst moments be? Okay, we'll start with the best, the worst, so we can end on a positive note. But like the the worst part was knowing there was so much more left basically every single day that it was very it was very hard to get excited about the end even though we daydreamed about it all day like the crew as well because they're up for longer than I am so they did an amazing job but like even with a week left even when you've got a week to go I couldn't I couldn't like switch off mentally of like okay I need to make every single step count so that as an overall worst thing and then the worst moment was the only day I didn't get to 50 miles because that was my planned target each day I got to 47 and a half which doesn't sound like the end of the world but it was on day 17 we were in Arizona and it was just one of those days where from the beginning I was flat and I I couldn't I couldn't get to those those levels that I had done before or even afterwards and there was a worry in my own brain and obviously the crew as well it's like because I'd performed pretty well up to that point. It's like, oh, is this when the wheels start to fall off? There was also another time where this guy showed up that was doubting I was actually doing the challenge and he's still trying to have a crack at me now. Anyway, he flew from the UK. Wow. To <laughs> the middle of Oklahoma. 
Um, to what? To try and disprove that you were doing exactly, this Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And um, he watched me for like four days. That wow. was a challenging time for four days. It was, it was on my mind, but also it was kind of a positive thing because I, I like a bit of tension. So having him there like following, every, he'd drive a mile ahead get out his car watch you know i don't want to like yeah stay on this point for too long because i really could but i yeah. think part the first thing i'm thinking is unless you're going to put on your shoes and lace up and run side by side with me every mm. mile every step then how dare you you know like how can anyone come and even challenge something that they're not necessarily prepared to do themselves yeah. so that was my first thought i'd be like cool you're here now you better get your shoes on mm. and then i can definitely relate to that energy of someone saying you can't do something or you know who are you adrian to do that you kind of just once it's like a red flag right to yeah. a bull you're like i'll show you <laughs> literally you're like thank you because the next yeah. four days i bet you were running on yeah adrenaline cortisol and just oh my gosh but yeah how Oh, how weird very weird but i guess it comes with the territory of doing crazy stuff but the best moments let's go to some good stuff so um when i first got into arizona i'd spent a lot of time california is basically most of it's in mojave desert so very desolate not a lot of foliage or whatever you cross a bridge to get into arizona there's suddenly like grass trees like fields and i only went in there for like six miles before we stopped the morning we woke up I was going up these like red rocky mountains. There were wildflowers everywhere. My mum was a, like a keen gardener. She was doing a gardening course at the time when she unfortunately passed away. So I had this moment where I was walking up this mountain, basically, wildflowers all around, and I felt like an incredible sense of her presence. And I even went so far as to like open my hand to to feel like we were walking up the hill hand in hand. So there's moments like that that will stick with me forever, and I can only attain that kind of feeling of closeness with my mum because obviously she's not here now by doing this stuff and I think that's why I'm so kind of I'm not addicted to it but I always try I'll always do this to unlock that part of my life that feels like true connection again so that was incredibly special and then of course there's just like random fun things that happen along the way and then like the end it was the whole day felt like a dream well this is it actually i was wondering about the end because often people when they've got these huge audacious goals whether it be a physical challenge like this or or you know you hear olympians say once they win the medal actually the feeling after can be anticlimactic it can feel like what am i actually going to do tomorrow when Mm -hmm. i wake up but you said it was amazing what was that day like yeah it was crazy so i think i had just over 30 miles left i tried to make the last day somewhat okay like the easiest day and also as you said at the start, under 56 days. Because of the time difference from California to New York, if I finished before, I think it was 11 o'clock in the morning, it would mean it was, this is me and my stupid head, (laughs) 55 days, 23 hours and like 49 minutes I think I finished in. So that was just... It's important. That was something for myself that felt important. But yeah, the whole whole day felt like a dream. Like everything felt and looked different. We had people join us from the George Washington Bridge to take us into Manhattan. There must have been, I don't know, 50 people there. There was loads of people waiting in the park. My dad was there again. My brother showed up. So, yeah, it was amazing. And just like pulling in, it's like the the release of all that work, not just the 55 days, but as I say, like the year planning before. So much intention has gone towards it. And I understand that from like, a, like an Olympian's point of view, as you said. Um, but for me, it was... It was me getting out of having to do that all the time and being so, so focused on one thing. It was a a big release and, yeah, an emotional moment and, uh, yeah, just a beautiful one that I'll never forget. 
Yeah, I mean, congratulations. I haven't actually said it to you, but I think <laughs> I'm you. always, but honestly, I'm always in awe of people who can really dedicate themselves to something because we, you know, we see the highlights, we yeah. see the cross in the finish line, we see so much of our performative uh, world that we live in. You know, so mm. much of it is performative. So much of the things people do is performative. And I think the reality of what it really takes for someone to be dedicated enough to do something like that, even for someone to be dedicated enough to train for a marathon. You know, mm. I said that I trained for a marathon this year and I'm, you know, I'm joking saying, oh, I can't compare it to what you've done, but actually everyone's challenge is their challenge. Yeah. And when you've got different commitments, whether it's your own mental and, and mindset challenges, whether it's physical, whether it's your lifestyle, I think anyone really knows, anyone who really knows what it takes to commit themselves to something like that, I think it's incredibly inspiring, admirable, and yeah, something you should be really, really proud of. Do you know what's ironic as well? So you think of that as dedication from my end, like people can't understand the fact that I go out and do that. I have so much respect for people with a nine to five that manage to, tr and especially like a family as well, that manage to train before work, before the kids get up. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting next to a shining example of that. Like, I'm so lucky now that I've figured out how to make this my life. Mm. So in any given day, I don't have, I have a schedule because I'm busy, but like my training can go, can fit into those gaps. It's not, I have these absolutes that I have to do. So I feel so lucky that I have all this free space and, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to deal with things when I eventually get to the stage of having a family. When you're old like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just is, holding on. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is a different, it is for sure it is a different challenge. And I think that it's important for people to know that and to know that, yeah, their challenge is their challenge. One thing I wanted to go back to is when you said about day 17 and you said, you know, it wasn't a good day, things weren't going well. And I guess it starts to creep into your mind, like self-doubt, you know, mm. oh, what if, you know, how, because I think so much of the mindset talk is about, you know, positive mindset, you know, visualization, this, this determination. But I think everyone at some stage in their life, whether they're doing a challenge like this or whether it's just their, their work, their nine to five, as you said, self-doubt can hold us back from so many things and it can really torment you know it can torment you and you start to almost like I feel like sometimes it can be uh, a sense of panic mm. you know I've definitely had that before in long even in long training runs where I'm like I panic I'm like oh my gosh I'm starting to feel bad my hips are this I'm feeling cramps I'm tired I'm and I'm thinking you've still got six miles to run or eight mm -hmm. miles to run and it's almost a sense of panic so yeah how do you I guess how did you in that moment cope with self-doubt and how do you in other areas of your life cope with self-doubt I took a bird's eye view of it and got very realistic very quickly I was two and a half miles off of a target and every other day before that I'd either got to it or exceeded it. So I realized at that point of time I was ahead of schedule anyway. And what I could have actually done that day was carry on at a snail's pace, dragging my knuckles along the floor, or I could stop, have a good feed, sleep properly, wake up the next day and make sure I got to 52 and a half miles at least. So make up that difference. So I... um. Yeah, as I said, I try and get realistic very quickly because, as you say, we we make things up about ourselves that aren't true. We tell ourselves a lot of the time, like, we can't do this, we can't do that, we're not good enough, this hurts, that hurts, etc. But most of the time, it's it's not re it's actually not realistic. We're just, it's the body's way of trying to get out of a situation that's hard. So the more you train yourself to either be realistic or do things that are, bigger and better than you ever thought you could do if it's your first 10k that gives you confidence then to when something tough comes up the next week in work like an email that makes it a little bit easier and the more you stack those on top of each other like I've got a 
I'm lucky now that I've figured out how to do this and it's now part of my life, but I have this long list of achievements from the past where I've proven to myself that I am strong. I can be dedicated. I have all these good qualities, I guess. And when those doubts do creep in, I just, and it's not, it's easier said than done, but I just try and get back to like, oh no, remember you, remember you did this. Like, remember that person, you're still that person. In mm-hmm. fact, you've grown from them, so yeah yeah it's it's really powerful and i think exactly what you said it is easier said than done but also i like what you said about you know on that day going i could literally continue snail's pace suffering but actually it's okay to stop at this point but the thing is you do strike me as a very positive person and you know the reality is you've got a lot of energy i feel like you're someone who gives that energy to others and you seem i don't know fun like you don't just even with this you don't seem to me anyway to take it so seriously but i mean you must do to be able to do it so yeah how do you find that balance would you say that you do take it seriously i do i do at times but most of the time like is it that is it that deep (laughs) i prefer in these challenges to to give off like a positive influence like even from how i'm how i'm talking to people or doing things because that helps me feel better about it Hmm. if i'm there just saying all the time how much pain i'm in how much this sucks that gets boring very quickly and also for me it's just gonna it's gonna make me feel worse like if i try and lead forward positively then you got bounce in your step like yes and both are contagious and exactly words you know you just said them. words are so powerful i think people underestimate actually when you spend time and we probably all know those people when you spend time with someone who their natural language the words that they use are uplifting energizing you you do you feel good you feel good to be around them when you spend time with people who their natural go-to instinctive is to always look for the negative look for the problem complain complain everything's difficult we all know those people as well mm-hmm. and it is it's a drain that's the way i describe it I'm, you know i know someone like that and i'm always like oh my gosh it is so draining and then i think how draining it must be for me i've just spent one day with you how draining it must be to live like that mm. to speak those words over yourself to to complain and to yeah I think just like you said if you're doing something that's difficult surely is only made more difficult by complaining about mm. the suffering and the pain and how mad i was in the middle of america running running across the country like that's insane and saying it out loud is insane and being there is crazy so and i'm with like close friends people that have dedicated their time to me to make sure that i do this thing and i'm just like how can i be a grouch about it like obviously there are times i was like you go up and down the emotion scale but most of the time, just like, yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. Just try and enjoy yourself. Well, let's get into some of the practical stuff because you talked about, you know, some of the brands, some of the things that you, I know that you do with, to do with recovery and to do with, you know, really taking care of your physical body because this, of course, is a challenge for the mind. But running one foot in front of the other, you know, on the, I guess you're on the concrete, on the road, mm-hmm. a lot of it on the road, takes a real toll on the body. So how important, I suppose, is, you know, your apparel, your kit, Mm -hmm. your shoes, your nutrient, all the things, I guess, the practical elements of putting something like this together. Is it amplified when you're doing that kind of distance? For sure, because if something isn't working, you know, if you get a blister in the first kilometer of a marathon, there's going to be some, you're going to have red shoes, basically. So, yeah, it's, it's even more important in those arenas and you need to find stuff that works. And when you do, hold on to it, use it and... I've been I've been very lucky that this isn't like my first big thing so I've made a lot of mistakes in the past and I think this was this was testament to those previous challenges and everything I've done before and what I've learned to apply myself to this and do it and 
in that time was was well as I never thought I'd do it that quickly put it that way mm. yeah I think we're incredibly lucky now as as athletes as runners to have the kind of technical performance apparel that we have I think we probably take it for granted actually mm-hmm. if you think back in the day to what people used to run in and how much the science and you know the, the improvement I suppose from a technological standpoint in terms of yeah the apparel especially with the shoe I sometimes feel like I don't know about yourself but obviously today we're both running in on the cloud shoe mm-hmm. and the first time I put these shoes on was actually in April myself this year I was in Japan and I was wearing a pair not this exact pair but a similar pair and I was like oh my goodness these are like springs and I know that obviously you know you're like are you able to actually compete in shoes like this mm-hmm. because it feels like it's just giving you such a benefit so yeah I think we are super lucky these days that we have such great kit yeah for me I was taking over a hundred thousand steps a day so I took 60, about 60 million steps. So I think each one of those is an important one because each one adds up to the next one. And yeah, if you don't, if you don't have the right shoes and basically this is, this is going to sound crazy. I only got two blisters the whole time and they were in day one. (laughs) But as soon as I took off that, I went to the cloud monster and that became my shoe that I wore for 70% of the running. So I would always have my nap of the day around mile 30 to 42, and that would be an opportune moment to change shoe. If you think about your your foot in a shoe, every step you take in a pair of shoes is gonna be slightly, it's gonna work different muscle groups very slightly, but very slightly over millions of times is a lot. Mm. Also, me changing the side of the road I was running on, slight, slight camber, right? To get rid of the, the surface water if there is any. So I'm always putting a bit more pressure on one side that's landing a bit a bit higher than the other one. So going over to the other side made a huge difference when I had all these little niggles and aches and pains. So literally changing the shoe, changing my running, just thinking about like going from a real hill strike to maybe a mid strike, all these things added up so much. And I actually moved to the, it was the cloud go. And what I loved about that, because we know the cloud monster has got the big, the big what do you call it the honeycomb mm, the salt the yeah the honeycomb salt yeah but the the cloud go was more of like a, a tradi- i'd call it more of a traditional road long running shoe mm. but unlike unlike the hoka bonda 8 which is quite heavy it was super lightweight and yeah towards the end i went monster go monster go monster go every yeah. day and yeah it worked pretty well. Yeah, two yeah. blisters the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's an important question to get into the details because a lot of runners, as you know, you know, the, the kind of, some people would say, oh, they obsess about the details and the things, but once you find it, it's like a good hairdresser. Yeah. Once you find it, you got to keep it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, before we move on to the power hour, the last part of the show, I have to ask you 
Do you think there is too much of a good thing? So you mentioned earlier on, you were like, I'm not addicted to this, but maybe I am. And I think some people would, would say, you know, how can you do something like that, you know, safely and, and make sure it's healthy and then come back and say, okay, we go again. What's next? What's next? What's next? Like, yeah, do you think it's too much of a good thing or you think it's a, a healthy attitude to keep striving? It can it can be. Um, it's gone both ways for me. So after I finished my first challenge, all of a sudden I don't know, I didn't know why, but I was super down I was like I've just done this amazing thing but all of a sudden I'm like more down than usual usually I'm pretty upbeat but it's like the combination of you have this period of like huge dedication to one craft your life is very simple all you do is one thing each day you have to run everyone feeds you gives you water etc very simple and then when you finish the interest dies off a lot which is natural like Mm. no one's going to care about your your poached eggs on toast a week after you finish doing something crazy that's really engaging so there was there's that element of things there's the natural drop-off which people don't really talk about much or maybe know about when they when they do a big challenge but for me because I know that I also gave myself the most amount of grace when I was running across this the states I was thinking about the end I was like I'm gonna finish around June time summer will you can do you can do whatever you want Fun. If you want to, if you want to go continue training, continue running around, do that. If you want to go traveling, like I just gave myself so much grace and said, "You've put so much into this, you've earned it. We can go back to work, <laughs> earn that money back if we have to." But I just gave myself an immense amount amount of grace. So e- even now, like I'm getting back into training, and now I'm really enjoying it again. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about the the next things that are coming. I've got that hundred miler, and I'm excited about it. After I finished, it was just yeah do you want and I had so much gratitude for everything I remember the day after when I woke up I went downstairs in my hotel as a cafe in there having a coffee in a china cup <laughs> with a plate with a croissant onto it sat down not having to run all day just looking out on the streets of Manhattan people walking around I had the biggest smile on my face yeah and I held on to that gratitude for the little things for quite a while mm. so yeah you can't have too much of a good thing but just like if you do if you're doing something really big just Give yourself an amount of space, but do it very intentionally. Mm. Just be intentional with what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about the Power Hour. I know that you're familiar with this because I remember, Will, I have a thank you. I remember when the book first came out, the Power Mm -hmm. Hour book, back three years ago, I think I remember seeing you posted maybe a story that you were reading the book, and I was like, wow, okay, this was great. Because back then, you know, I feel like maybe maybe it was lockdown. I didn't really know who's reading this book. Like, who pe- real people are actually reading my book? So, yeah, so that was really great to see. So thanks for sharing that. Loved it. And let's talk about the concept. So what now, I suppose it's probably always changing, but right now, what does your power hour look like? So my power hour is, it, it just needs to start with movement. If I wake up in the morning, as long as I don't remain sed- sedentary for too long, like, it's going to be a good day. And also, I find, like, if I ever put things off, then I'm very less likely to do them. Okay. So if I'm going to wake up, the first thing I'm going to do is actually something for myself. I like the ritual of making a coffee. Some people might say, oh, you need to wait three hours to have caffeine. I'm like, relax. It's not that deep. So I'll have, I'll have a coffee and I'll enjoy that ritual. I won't have the phone on or anything. I'll probably, I might have the phone actually because I'm going to put some Thames on. Mm. Thames on a speaker. I'm going to enjoy that coffee. And then now I've stopped, I've kind of stopped doing the intermittent fasting thing. So I have two boiled eggs and I call them Noddy eggs. It reminds me of my childhood. There's the kid's cartoon, Noddy. Every, t- every 
time for breakfast he'd have two boiled eggs soft boiled eggs so noddy egg and soldiers that that's a throwback to my past and then yeah whatever whatever movement's gonna look like for me so i've i've eaten i've had some coffee and some caffeine and then it's might be a light run it might be stretching it might be going to the gym but some kind of movement and i feel like that is my perfect setup because then i don't feel i don't feel pressure the most pressure i put on myself is to train Mm. so if i've done that first everything else in the rest of the day is like a bonus yeah okay and do you do you train every day your power hour most days most days yeah 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 there's not many days that i don't and it doesn't have to be anything too crazy like as I say, it can be some stretching and like on the elliptical machine, but I, f- I like movement's good for me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the run. It was awesome. <laughs> I really was honest this morning. I was like, oh my gosh, I, w- I knew you'd just run a marathon. So I was hopeful that it wasn't going to be too intense. So it was good, it was good fun. <laughs> my pleasure. I enjoyed it too. And thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, I'll be back next week with another episode. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.